1: Today is Thursday, December 7th, 2023. This is Stacy, not Shannon. And tonight I am joined by Sarah, Brooke, Georgina, Natalia, and Melissa. Woo! And it is the most wonderful time of the year because it is A, the time we get to talk about sappity-wappity holiday-themed books. And it's the one episode a year where I get to pretend that I can be an amazing podcast host and leader like Shannon, which we all know is a lie, but I get to pretend for like an hour. So we're going to go with it. So tonight we're going to talk about all things holiday um, after the usual housekeeping information. And then um, we're going to have Sarah start us off, followed by Brooke, and then Natalia, and then me, and then Melissa. And Georgina will finish the round.
0: You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information
1: in our show notes. Let's talk about Wrapped with a Bow, B-E-A-U, by Lily Vale. And this is the story of Alicia, who lives in a small town called Piney Peaks. (laughs) (laughs) which is a very Christmassy name. And Piney Peaks is known for a movie that was filmed in their town 50 whole years ago called Sleigh Bells Under Starlight. And it was filmed with um, one of their beloved townspeople's homes that they call to this day the Christmas house. And Alicia is Very sunshiny, jubilant, loves romantic comedies, loves Christmas, and loves the Christmas house where her very beloved grandmother's best friend lived her whole life. Well, um, prior to the novel, her grandmother has passed away and also the wonderful owner of the Christmas house. And Alicia is really struggling because she was so close to both of them and she misses the Christmas house. And she just has this job that stresses her out. She works for the Chamber of Commerce and she is like, she brings like locations where people can film movies. So she has all of these awards for like, I'm kind of making up the name, but like the zombie who ate the zoo. It wasn't exactly that name, but it had a zombie name. And <laughs> she is contacted because after 50 years, Hollywood wants to make a sequel to the beloved movie. Sleigh Bells <laughs> Under Starlight. <laughs> <laughs> and so they want to film the sequel to Slaybells Bells Under Starlight in the town of Piney Peaks where it all began and they want to use people as extras and all these things. But there's just one catch. They want to use the Christmas house. And the nephew of the woman who owned it has just moved in. His name is Vess. And Vess is about as happy with Christmas as a prickly porcupine. Well, I don't know. I guess porcupines, I don't know if they're happy, but he, as as sunshiny as Alicia is about Christmas, that's how frosty Vess is about Christmas. He doesn't like it and no one's going to film in his house. And Vess and Alicia get off to a rocky start. I will not explain why because it is quite funny. And they kind of don't really like each other, but they keep getting thrown together in the town of Piney Peaks. And Alicia <laughs> is doing everything she can to get... Sleigh bells under starlight, filmed in her town, in her beloved Christmas house, and Vess is not making that easy. Except, the more they get thrown together, and the more they spend time together, in the lovely town of Piney Peaks, where everyone you just is like welcome. Saying that name, I do because I think it's funny. <laughs> and the more Vess gets involved with the town and with Alicia, who is nothing but sparkle and sunshine he starts to think that maybe Christmas isn't quite as awful and kitschy as he thought it was. From my description, this book sounds like very light and airy, but actually it has some depth and it's a longer holiday romance, which I really enjoyed. I I love this author and I'm really actually very excited to read more of what she writes Again, this book is called Wrapped with a Bow and it is by Lily Vale.
2: It sounds really good.
1: It's delightful and it it feels like a spicy Hallmark movie is basically yes. how it... Um, That's I, a perfect I, description. Yeah. Um, I have to say the one thing that I found a little disconcerting about this book is that it's written in third person present tense. Yes, that and is. That was that jarring. did take me a moment to kind of accustom myself to. But um, if you're able to kind of get past that, it's a great book and the story is lovely. And it's all of the Christmas, uh, like holiday fluffity, woofity that we love with deeper elements and also some pretty great spice.
2: So, my first book this evening is It's a Fabulous Life by Ooh. Kelly Farmer. And this is a sapphic retelling of the classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Ooh. So our main character's name is Bailey George.
1: And oh, perfect. She's, oh, sorry. I know, <laughs>
2: eh? I know, eh? I thought it was awesome. Um, for anybody who knows the movie, you will find, like, when you, if you take a moment and read this book, it's... Is so like you can definitely pick the little pieces of the movie out of it, and but it's also very much its own movie at the like own, um, story as well. So our main character's name, as I said, is Bailey George, and she's a real estate agent, and she is so excited to finally get away from the town. Like she has never taken any vacation. She um. Had planned when she was younger to once she was done school and once she kind of got her career off to started, that she was going to go on a vacation and she was going to see the world. But some things happened in her family that kind of made her have to stay home. And she had to take over the family business, not really expecting to do so. And also her little town of Lanford is known for their Christmas festival. And Bailey has always been responsible. She, well, about 10 years before the book starts, she was she took over um, directing and putting together this Christmas festival because the person who had been doing it retired and like nobody wanted to do it. And she knew that it just meant a lot to the, the community and she always enjoyed it. So she thought, why not take it on? So she's now this year passed it on to somebody else. So she's really excited to be able to go off and she wants to go to New York City for the holidays. And she's got all these plans. She's ready to take off. But then um, there is a problem. The person who took it over has a medical emergency and oh, she's no. asked to then take it over again. And Bailey really doesn't want to do this because, as I said, like she wants to go on a vacation and she's been really, really looking forward to this. And also at the same time, part of the reason why she wants to go to New York City when she does is because she's potentially looking at getting a new going for an interview for a new job that will kind of get her even like she's kind of finally gets to move up in the world. So she's pretty down on this. And, but at the same time, she doesn't want to let people down. So she decides, okay, I'll take it over. So she goes and she takes it back on and she starts setting it up. And while it's all happening, she reconnects with her high school crush, Maria. Oh my God. And- maria and um bailey they have these two adorable dogs and they when they for like when they reconnect they reconnect at the dog park and like huh. their dogs like totally hit it off um their dogs one of them is lulu rosie rosie's the second dog so rosie and lulu are like the best of friends and so her and Maria are chatting and they're all excited and you can definitely tell that there's a little something still there between them. And she's telling Maria about her plans that she was, she had wanted to go off and do what go off for the holidays, but that she needs to do this through the festival and Maria offers to help her out. And she's really excited about this because then they'll get to spend more time together. So Maria has come back to their small community to work at the library So she's now doing her dream job of being like, of being a librarian and working at the library. So they're kind of doing their thing and getting all the festival and connecting and getting to know each other again and all this stuff's happening. And then festival day, sorry, approaches and things start going wrong. Um, the one of the big tents the pole in one of the big tents is cracked and then all of a sudden like one of the walls starts collapsing in this like main tent um one of the like the closing concert person which tends to be like the big name has um is threatening not to not to go on stage because Bailey has misplaced the checks for paying and they're oh, telling no. her that they need to pay them ahead of time or they're taking off because they have other offers that they could take over. So like just all these things are going on and she's just so frustrated. And so then she finds out that she can go, um, somebody um, I think it was the Brack center has a pole that can replace for the tent. So she just needs to take a break. She's get away from everything and breathe. So she can kind of recollect herself, because um, she knows that somebody's taking care of the checks now, getting them refilled out and everything. And just she knows that it's going to be okay, so she just needs to take a breather. So she goes and she takes one of the trucks and she goes to go drive to the rec center, but then she's like goes to swerve and miss a squirrel, and she goes into the ditch and gets stuck in a big, huge snow drift right which is just it's like kind of like like the straw that broke the camel's back and she just has like this whole like kind of mini panic attack and like she just screams like what the heck did I do to deserve this so she goes and she's walking around and she's trying to find um, signal for the phone and she can't get signal for her phone and she's walking on the the bridge this wooden bridge in the city i mean sorry the town and she's trying to find the thing and then all of a sudden she meets drag queen clara angel (laughs) (laughs) and so clara starts talking to her and like billy's like i have no time for this like person who thinks they're an angel and is talking about like wanting to help me and how like asking me all these questions about like what do i think i've done for the town and like i just don't get it so then finally clara says okay well i'm gonna show you so she uses her little bit of magic to be able to show and then to take bailey to a point in time where she was no longer around because that's was um the wish that bailey made is that she was never born because she feels like she's just letting everyone down and that she just like doesn't deserve that they just don't deserve to have to put up with her crap so she does it she rewinds time to a time when Things were made, decisions were made, and Bailey is no longer part of it. And you learn about how things just didn't go so well for a lot of people in her life. And so now Bailey needs to decide, like, what is she going to do? And I can't give you any more because I don't want to ruin it all. But, like, this was such a nice, nice story. Like, I loved the interactions that her and uh, Maria had, I loved the Dry Queen Angels. They were hilarious. <laughs> so we meet Clara and her, I think, sister or sisters. I was kind of confused there. She has one or two sisters, and then they have like this leader person. I don't know if it's their grandma or their leader person. And they're just so interesting. And there's a whole reason why Clara, why they're there, and what Clara's purpose is. And like, if you know the movie. Um, it's a wonderful life, you'll kind of be able to piece it all together. But I loved it. And like, you know, like that um crotchety guy. What is it? Potter? Yes,
1: Mr. Paul. Yes, so they Potter. have
2: they have a yeah, they have a crotchety woman. Um, crotchety woman, and she's like this like real estate person that wants to like take over to to turn everything into places that nobody in the town can afford like that's kind of her goal in life and that's not a spoiler because it's um in the synopsis and you can definitely tell within the first couple pages that her that's her goal the dogs were adorable and like just everyone was so great so this is it's a fabulous life and it's by kelly farmer I need so, this. So fun. it was so good. It was I, like there's no spice in it, but like it didn't need it. And it's also a remake of like it's kind of a retelling of a movie that like had no spice in it.
3: My first holiday book of this episode. Um, it's funny. You usually save best for last, but I love this book so much. I have to talk about it first. So this is the holidays by Brittany. Sherry. I
1: love her so much.
3: uh, I love her. I have read so much, so much of her backlist this year, as I said in the roundup episode, but I love this book so much. So this book is about quirky Holly Jackson, who is a romance novel writer. And she has been unlucky in love where our story starts, but her romantic heart gives Doesn't want to give up the search for companionship, even after her fiance literally left her at the altar on Christmas Eve. Can you imagine? And in walks grumpy restaurant owner Kai Kane, who wants nothing to do with love after his last relationship crashed and burned. Romance was the last thing on his mind. But unfortunately for him, Eccentric Holly kept entering his restaurant night after night with a different first date and made his interest grow. So when Kai volunteers to help Holly find a suitor, it was for one reason only, and that was to get her out of his restaurant and onto a second date with somebody in a different location. However, once Kai became Holly's dating coach, her confidence grew. And it was all going great until Kai became increasingly jealous of the connection Holly was making with another man. And the more Holly connected with this other man, the more overprotective he became. Kai quickly realized that all was not fair when it came between love and the holidays. And he was going to have to step up his game if he wanted to be the ultimate prize, Holly's favorite date. Because, you know... All she wanted for Christmas was a boyfriend for the holidays, and all he wanted was for her to take her crappy first dates elsewhere. And it seems like that's not working out too well. I I have to say, this book is everything. It's high emotioned. It's happy. It's quirky. It has oh my god, the most amazing, amazing dialogue. It talks about the love for Christmas, which is my favorite holiday. Uh, It talks about trying to find uh love in the holiday season. And I think a lot of people can relate to um what happened in love and family and friendship during the holidays. And I think this book touches up on that. But I I my words cannot do this book justice. And if I say any more, I will spoil it. But if you want a really nice uh, holiday Christmassy romance, uh and I love reading books about authors. I don't know why, especially fiction books about authors. But if you want everything that's good, kind of like like the best box of cho- Christmas chocolates, holiday book, this is it. It's called The Holidays by Brittany Cherry, and I don't think I'm the only one here that loved
1: that book. I love Brittany Cherry so so very much. Um, I just think she writes such emotion, like deeply emotional, heartfelt, a little bit angsty romances that really, um, for me just kind of tug at my heart. I just think she's a very, she really brings you into whatever story she's telling. So you kind of experience everything along with the protagonists. I just, I'm a huge fan,
3: huge, huge. Yes. She has such a gift for that, doesn't she?
1: So my first book this evening is by an author that's new to me. It's called Mistletoe and Michigas, And it's Teachers in Love, book two, but they're standalones. And it's by M.A. Wardell. And this book was the most delightful thing in the history of ever. It's about Sheldon. And Sheldon is this ray of sunshine. He's a first grade teacher. He just sort of um, is always upbeat. He's always having a dance party. He's always singing along to different... Well, in this one, it's pop Christmas music. He lives with his twin sister, who's also his best friend. So I was all about that. And he is just so lovely. But he finds out just before Thanksgiving that... um he's being transferred to a different elementary school because they have um, overcrowding and they need to create, they need to form a new classroom. And so with very little time to prepare, he has to go into the new school, you know, mid, mid midterm and set up his classroom and get ready for a whole new group of children. And just as he is about to leave to do this, to go to his new school for the first time, He's going through something in the kitchen and he finds that his sister has hidden from him an invitation to his ex-boyfriend's wedding, which is going to be on Christmas Eve. Which really, really hurts Sheldon. But Sheldon's okay. He's going to just plaster on a smile. He's going to sing along with all the great Christmas pop divas and he's going to be okay. He gets to school. And finds out that not only does he have to, you know, kind of like learn all about this new classroom and all these new students in this new school, but he actually has to set up his classroom from everything that um, a big pile of furniture that's in the basement of the school. Enter the custodian Theo. Theo is this giantly tall, hulking man who doesn't say a word and doesn't seem to enjoy anything about Sheldon's sunshiny personality. Theo has been alone for a really long time. He has some tragic backstory, which, you know, is my catnip. And he just wants to do his job and stay on just, you know, out of everyone's way and off the radar. But when he sees this, Guy, this new teacher is struggling to get his classroom set up. He steps in to help, and as the two of them kind of, sort of get to know each other, with Theo kind of grunting out responses and Sheldon nonstop talking, it comes out that Theo is willing to be Sheldon's plus one to his ex boyfriend's Christmas Eve wedding, and in exchange. Theo would really like it if Sheldon could act as his boyfriend during Hanukkah when his parents come to visit from Florida to get his mother off his back. All she wants to do is matchmake her son and, you know, him acting as a fake boyfriend would take the heat off for a little while. And so during the holiday season, the two begin to spend increasing amounts of time together, And Sheldon begins to learn what is under Theo's gruff, silent facade. And Theo begins to learn that all of Sheldon's joy and optimistic attitude mask some deeply buried pain about some issues he's had with his family in the past. This book was one of the loveliest things I've read in a long time. It has just it's like the perfect amount of like fabulous holiday vibes with um some nice spice and some pretty deep and um interesting backstory for both characters. It also has an amazing relationship between Sheldon and his twin sister. So for me that was like a plus and like basically I cried my way through the epilogue, like happily cried. Because um, this time of the year, I'm pretty sappy. And it was just all the things that were delightful. And because of this book, I've discovered a new author. Um, and I will be reading every other book that he ever writes um, because he's amazing at writing romantic comedy with heart and depth and great emotion. So this a male again, writing romance. I know, yes. it's perfect. I, I love know. that. Me too. So this again is Mistletoe and Michigas, Teachers in Love, Book Two by M.A. Wardell. And everyone must read it because it is so great. That title just makes me want to read that book. (laughs) I know. Just the title. I know. He has great titles for his books. So I I already bought the other one that is available right now. And for those of you who read an audio, the narration for this book is just stellar. Absolutely stellar.
4: Hello, everyone. My first book is called Kwanzaa. By April Brady and this book covers the meanings of Kwanzaa and how to make decorations, what recipes to, to prepare, how to find the candles that you light in the Kinara. The Kinara is almost like the menorah. But it's called a Kenara, and it is seven candles that you light each day. Kwanzaa starts on the 26th, which is the day after Christmas. And it goes from the 26th to after New Year's. It's a prominent holiday for the black culture. That's what my family prefers to be called, is black, not African American. So that's why I'm saying that. But it is really family oriented. And a lot of my family and I have done celebrations, but not to the extent of Kwanzaa and the Seven Principles. It is Kwanzaa by April Brady.
5: My first book of the evening is Peppermint's Cookie Murder by Trixie Silvertail. (laughs) Trixie Silvertail writes the um, Mitzi Moon Mysteries. And so this is her first book in this series. And of course, it's about Santa Claus's daughter, And her name, sadly, is Cindy Claus. (laughs) (laughs) So we have um, Cindy Claus, who is supposed to take over the toy factory and distributing toys for Santa. But really, all Cindy wants to do is bake cookies. She has no desire to take over. But it's expected since she's the only child of Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so we the story opens up where Cindy Claus is. She's late to be at the toy factory. And she decides, since I'm already late, I'm going to go to my favorite Jeez. bakery and have a cookie. She tries to sneak in the back of the favorite her favorite bakery and her best friend. But her mom Mrs. Claus and a group of her friends spot her so she has no choice but to go to work because her mom just gives her that horrible look and she knows she's in (laughs) trouble even though in the book she's over a hundred years old (laughs) and so Cindy um, her father has a right hand man and he is an arctic fox And to get under his skin, Cindy calls him Artie, which drives the fox crazy. Because if I remember correctly, his name is Artemis. (laughs) And he runs the toy factory when when her father can't. And so she goes through all the things when Cindy realizes that production is behind on their technology inventory. Because suddenly everyone wants technology for Christmas. (laughs) this is too much pressure and Cindy goes home after a night of tossing and turning and tells her parents that she doesn't want to she wants to go to the quote unquote human world and just own a bakery her mother is disappointed and her father knew this day was coming so he convinces his wife to open up a portal for Cindy and they tell her to pick a place on the map and she picks it of course near the Mitzi Moon, Mitzi Moon books which is in near um, Pin Harbor Cherry I think is what it's called um and it's of course it's cold she thought it would be perfect weather because it's similar to being in the north pole so Cindy gets a bakery and she hasn't she's never been to the human world so she has no idea of money um what people talk about when they talk about dating apps <laughs> so it's the fox who has to whisper in her ear or you know whisper to her what this what all this stuff means and so there are some pretty funny moments of like when she hands over money and the lady's like oh honey you're giving me too much and she's like uh i did <laughs> she just no idea um She meets this woman named um, Betsy, and Betsy is your typical country girl, and she welcomes Cindy with open arms. The problem is, Betsy gets murdered, and of course, Cindy is the prime suspect, Um, but Cindy decides, after a little bit, that she needs to clear herself, or otherwise, her time here in... Pincherry will be over. And where will she go next? You know, she'll have to go back to the North Pole and run the toy factory. This was um a very light read. It was very fun. This is Peppermint Cookie Murder by Trixie Silvertail.
2: It sounds really cute. It sounds very it funny. Was, it, but it was a little um
5: to no pun on words, a little cookie cutter.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um
5: the cookies, though, were fan- they looked fantastic. The way they described Christmas and and stuff like that seemed really, really good.
1: My second book tonight that I want to talk about is a book that I loved with my entire heart. And I can't wait to read more by this author. Um, Stacy also discovered this book when she was doing a search on something else. You're so welcome. You get the credit. Yeah, you get the credit. <laughs> so <laughs> this book is called Glass Tidings, and it's by Amy Jo Cousins. And this is the story of Eddie Rodriguez. And Eddie is kind of down on his luck. So he had plans to stay somewhere for Christmas, but that didn't go very well. And so he finds himself kind of stranded, his hem sort of, but not really stolen car dies in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. And he has to walk to find a bus station because he's supposed to be in Texas now for the winter to be part of the Ren Faire scene. And Eddie is walking through this little town called, I think it's clear Lake. And it's in the middle of the night on Thanksgiving night. And he's already Just really, you know, like trying to act like he's fine because he, you know, in his head, he's always fine and he'll always take care of himself and move on and he never stays in one place too long. But then right in front of him, he watches a girl get hit by a car and the car doesn't stop. Oh! And Eddie tries to warn the girl, but he can't get it out of his mouth fast enough. And so he is screaming for help, 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 help her. And he wants to get someone there quickly. So he starts yelling fire. Cause he just wants someone to come and help this girl. And along comes a police officer and Eddie is very uncomfortable with her. Um, she makes him very nervous. You can tell that police have not been kind to Eddie in his life. And, at the same time, you know, people are kind of coming out of their houses now, you know, because this is small town suburbia and people have some to have to come out and cluck in these books about what's happening on their picture, <laughs> picturesque street in the middle of the night. Evans to Murgatroyd, one of their own was struck by a car. And one of the people who <laughs> comes out is named Grayson Croft. And Grayson is kind of a hermit. He's a, a shop owner. He owns a Christmas shop. But most of the time, he spends in his home alone with his books. But he was really good friends with the police officer when they were in high school. And she doesn't want Eddie to leave town because he's the only person who saw the car and a little slice of the face of the person that hit. Her name is Lily Rose. Because it's a small town. <laughs> and so he, Grayson, like very begrudgingly agrees to put Eddie up at his house for the night. And thus begins a very beautiful story of two men who are incredibly lonely for different reasons. Eddie has never had a family He's grown up in foster care in group homes. And Grayson had a family that he loved with all his heart and they've all passed away. The days kind of begin to stretch by and Eddie is 100% broke and he realizes because he um, is a glassblower and he makes little figurines that he sells at the Ren Fairs that he thinks are trash. That he doesn't think are very, he thinks that they're not art. But he, of course, is amazingly good at what he does. And he realizes that when he threw his bag to the ground to run and save the girl, Lily Rose, um, his glasses that protect his eyes when he's blowing glass broke. And so Gray offers to buy him new ones if maybe he'll put some time in working at his Christmas shop. And then... um, Maybe he can um make some beautiful handmade glass things to go in the shop. So they begin working closely together. They're living together. And Gray is loving having Eddie in his home. And Eddie, in his very fragile, broken way, takes care of Gray. And, of course, Gray takes care of Eddie, too. But Eddie... Is like starting to love like being part of a little family and having a safe place at the holiday, even though he's too guarded to admit it. And the, the the sad part is that Eddie Rodriguez does not stay in one place for long. But maybe if only a lonely shop owner can teach an orphan about what it's like to be loved for the holiday, maybe this year he'll stay. This book is Last Tidings by Amy Jo Cousins. It's an MM romance. I would say the spice level is like a 2. M- yeah, like a yeah, mild. When I say moderate just because there are some like descriptions, but it's so it, it's not super spicy. And the the writing I thought of this author was just beautiful and I just I wanted to be both of these men their friends and I wanted to sit On the couch by the fire and read books with them and drink um, scotch and just be part of them because they were just beautiful characters. I loved every minute of this book. I didn't want it to end.
2: Amazing. So, my next book this evening is Emergency Contact by Lauren Lane and her high school sweetheart, Anthony laden so they wrote it Ooh. together which is so cute so our main character's name is Catherine, and katherine is a new york city um attorney and she is she does not like christmas she hates the holidays she's very much a scrooge her nickname is grinch a lot of people call her the grinch And she has some reasons that we'll learn as you read the book um, for not liking Christmas. So she's not happy about this. She's kind of trying to do her job, trying to get to work. Um, She's looking forward to an announcement. Um, Usually right around this time of year, they always announce the new partners at the firm. And she feels that like this is her year. There's, as far as she can tell, like there's not anybody that's at her caliber or at her level right now at the firm. So she really, really is really looking forward to hearing this call. So she goes to work and she's at work waiting. And then we, while she's at work, we uh, meet Tom. Um, Tom is her ex-husband and he has to go to Tiffany's the store right beside her the office where she works like the office building sorry um because he is going to be picking up a ring um for his fiance he is really excited about christmas his family has always loved christmas he i would say is very much like a the golden retriever version um of uh of a sweet male and he is so excited about christmas he's looking forward to it he's all like smiles and he's getting excited because his family has always proposed on Chris- like right at midnight on christmas eve so he's really excited about this. He looked and he got he got this great ring. So he picks up the ring and then he goes off and does this thing. And he's all like talking to his mom and telling her how excited he is. It is everyone set. And like um, his fiance is going to be showing up just ahead of him by a couple hours because their planes didn't quite match up. And she had to do something out of town. So they meet there. They're going to meet there. So he's getting all ready and he's ready to go and get his flight later on that day. And then we move back on to Catherine and Catherine, it's been a long day and she hasn't gotten a call yet, but she needs to go home. So she goes downstairs and she gets prepared to go to the catch a cab, or I think it's an Uber and she's getting ready to get in the Uber. And then somebody stops her to talk to her and she's talking and then She's just about to get into the taxi, and then all of a sudden something happened, and she wakes up in the hospital um oh, no. and as she's waking up, she's trying to figure out like where am i like she can and then slowly, as she's waking up, she realizes she's in the hospital, and that she's trying to figure out like how did I get here like what happened and then she pieces it together, and she realizes that some somebody hit the cab and which then and she got injured somehow. So she's at the hospital and she's trying to, like, tell the the nurse that, like, she wants to leave. And the nurse is like, no, sorry, but you can't leave because, like, you you have a concussion and you need somebody to take care of you. And she's, like, thinking to herself, like, I have nobody. Like, what am I going to do? And then she's kind of, like, rocking her brain trying to figure out, like, what friends are still in town that I can talk call because... Her family is out of town. Her friends, um, the friends that she can think of, they're on vacation. And she doesn't want to, like, she doesn't want to ruin anybody's vacation. So she doesn't want to call anyone. So she's just kind of laying in bed trying to figure out what to do. And then in walks Tom. And she's like, what the heck? Like, I don't understand why he's here. And he tells her that um, he was called by the hospital Because she forgot to change her emergency contact. Whoopsies. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And, like, they are complete opposites. Like, as I said, like, he loves Christmas. She hates Christmas. She's very, like, pessimistic or, like, very, like, serious. And he's very, like, cheery and just life is awesome and stuff like that. So, like, they, they, like, fight like cats and dogs. Like, they just did not get along but at the same time, they also had reasons, obviously, for they, they obviously had some sort of connection that got them ma- when they got married. And but they're just not they do not get along. So they don't know what they're going to do. So she's like, get out of here. Like, I don't need your help. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? And then so he leaves and then he's just about to go and catch a cab to the plane to the um, airline. But he feels bad because he's a nice person. So he goes back and he helps her sign out and he tells her, okay, well, you're going to spend the next 48 hours with me and we're going to go to Chicago. And then from there, you're welcome to do whatever you want to do. But I, I like, I need, my mom would hate me not to take care of you. So they set off on this. They start making their way to Chicago. So they stop at her house and they get some of her stuff. And then, like their first thing is they're gonna go go on a plane. So, like they're gonna have this road trip that is just gonna have catastrophe after catastrophe that stops them. So their first stop is the airport, and she does. She, um, as I said, like before, she's waiting for this call from her from her boss, and she gets this call while they're in the in the airplane waiting to take off and like this the uh, a flight attendant gets mad and tells her to like it's like turn off the phone you're not allowed to have it on and she's like but i i'll be right down in a second and she's like no you need to stop and then it ends up they get kicked off the plane so now they need to figure out what to do next so then they end up um taking uh then they head on to a train which ends up being um not the greatest trip some things happen along that way and then next we get to like they have all these different as they're going along they're trying they're getting these different like modes of transportation (laughs) and there's all these things are happening as they're going on their trip to um, Chicago where his family lives and they've had to they have to stay in um, a hotel together Thankfully for them, there's separate beds, at least, not separate rooms, but at least there's a separate bed. And as things are going on, he's they're kind of starting to like laugh. They're they're kind of realizing that like as the whole trip and as they're getting closer to Chicago, Tom's realizing that if he had to be on this catastrophe of a trip, like he's glad that he's with Catherine. Because they they have this way of being able to connect with each other, and to be able to laugh about it. And at the same time, they're obviously bickering, but they're laughing about it. But Tom hasn't told Catherine the whole reason that he's excited to get to Chicago. He she has no idea about his um, fiance and that his fiance is waiting there. Oh, I'm sorry, he does. She does know about the fiance, but doesn't know. He thinks she thinks it's just his girl um she thinks it's just his girlfriend. Um she doesn't he doesn't realize that he's gonna propose on near- on Christmas Eve. And then she like so she's like at one point she discovers his secret and you'll find out why, how he how she does, but she finds out, which causes some difficulty and she herself realizes that she wants him to be happy so she also even though she's enjoying herself she wants him to be happy so she needs to make some decisions on what she's going to do to kind of make help him to meet to be happy and like as i said like they're they're reconnecting along this trip so it's interesting to watch how their relationship progresses and how even like they realize they make some realizations about themselves and how that even though they have these little differences, they also have some similarities. So they need to come to that realization of how, how are they going to, like, how do they, are they going to be friends? Do they just keep walking in their own way or what are they going to do? So this is Emergency Contact and it's by Lauren Lane and Anthony Ladan. And it was so good. It was so funny and it was so good at the same time. Like, I I loved it. And I, I know my just dis- Yeah, I know my description was so like ziggy zaggy and stuff like that. But like I didn't want to give anything away. Like that's the problem. But <laughs> so- it kind
1: of was like their road trip, kind of ziggy zaggy. Yes, like if yeah. <laughs> you had to take us on like a because that's how their road trip
3: was. Yeah. So my next book is a new author to me, actually recommended by Stacy. Wow, Stacy, you've been recommending a lot of my books this year. I love it. I know. <laughs> well, this book is The Matzo Ball by oh, Jean yay. Meltzer. And, oh my goodness, what a book. Oy oh, yeah, to the world. Rachel Rubenstein Goldblatt is a nice Jewish girl with a shameful, shameful secret. Not only is she a rabbi's daughter and super entrenched in the Jewish community, but her dirty secret, she loves Christmas. I'm talking decorations all over her house, Christmas trees, trains in her office trains that I, who love Christmas, would never even put in my house because my God, they would drive me nuts. You know the ones that go off every hour and and play music? Yeah, she has and moves by itself, like really creepily. She even has one of those. But even worse than that, she has a career that she's had for a decade as a Christmas romance novelist, which she has hidden from the world and her family, even though her talent has made her a bestseller, while her chronic illness has always kept her uh, out of reach from the kind of love that she writes about. However, her publisher this year, where our story takes place, decides to become diversity conscious and insists that she write instead of a christmas romance a hanukkah romance and well her creative bone kind of runs dry because she feels that hanukkah's not man it's not magical it's not merry and it's just not christmas but she's desperate not to lose her contract so rachel is determined to find her muse at the matzah ball which is a jewish music celebration on the last night of hanukkah and she's willing to do anything to get into this celebration, even if it means working with her summer camp uh art enemy, <laughs> Jacob Greenberg. And though Rachel and Jacob haven't seen each other since they were kids, well, they hold their grudges pretty tightly to their chests. And it grows brighter than even the menorah on their windows. <laughs> but as they spend more time together, Rachel finds herself drawn to Hanukkah and Jacob in a way that she never expected. And Maybe this holiday Hanukkah will be the spark she needed to set her heart ablaze. And maybe, just maybe she'll find the magic in Hanukkah after all. This book is, oh my God, everything. I laughed, I cried, I jumped for joy, I stayed up all night. (laughs) I enjoyed this book so, so much. And I have to say, for me personally, it was so awesome to read a holiday Jewish romance because I've never read one before this is probably my first that I could really remember uh, reading and it was just this book is all the things I am looking so much forward to reading the rest that this author has to offer. But if you want a really nice romance and holiday book and a book about a really cool party and a book that's gonna make you laugh and and just has everything
1: going for it, you want the Mozilla Ball by Gene Meltzer. Oh, yes. Sarah and I both love her so much. And every one of her books is just that warm and witty and lovely and clever and emotional. And what I love most about her writing is just how effortlessly she always weaves some sort of positive disability representation through her stories. Every one of her books has some sort of dis- a disability rep in it. And, you know, it just, it really adds to it. But this book with its enemies to lovers vibe and the just, I, I like the, the conflict, the push pull between what Rachel, you know, kind of feels and what her, where her interests are and what her family obligations and expectations are and how she learns throughout the story, how to kind of weave those two things together. Like it just was such a, oh, such a great book. I loved it. My second book is a book I just discovered um, by an author that I've read in the past, but um, it just actually came out today and I was experiencing some pretty significant insomnia. So I downloaded it at three o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep um, and started reading Ghosts of Christmas by Kenya Wright. And this book was just so delightful. Um, It is about Ivy and Ivy had some very rough things happen to her during the holiday season when she was a child. And now she hates Christmas and doesn't love being close to people because of her her fear of experiencing more pain and more loss. And so Ivy is um, this very amazing fashion designer, and she's doing well for herself professionally, but really floundering personally um, when when it's time for her to go to her best friend Holly's wedding in Lapland, Finland. And so she's going to go there for this amazing Christmas wedding. And as much as she loves Holly and she loves Holly's twin brother, Saint, she's not super excited to go be like immersed in the magic of the season. But something very strange happens to Holly. I'm sorry. Something very strange happens to Ivy while she's on the plane going to Finland. And that is that she is visited by a ghost from her past. And this ghost tells her that it is time for Ivy to learn some lessons. Does everyone kind of figure out where we're going here? That it might be like a Christmas carol vibe? Because if that's what you're thinking, you'd be super accurate. And she, this, this, um, this ghost from Ivy's past tells her that she is going to have to learn um, from three other ghosts' lessons to help her in life. And I was kind of like, what the heck? That was a weird dream. You know, maybe I didn't have enough food, like whatever. And she kind of puts the weird moment out of her mind and gets to, um, gets to Lapland and, you know, is like helping her her best friend Holly and doing all the, the bachelorette um, party stuff and the, and, you know, maid of honor things. But she's also struggling because she and St. Holly's twin brother have been in love for many years, but, Ivy holds Saint at a distance because of these painful things that happened to her. So they have a sling every year over Christmas. And then it's over, it's done, and they go off. They go their different ways. Ivy then goes off and maybe might be with other people um, until she goes back to Saint the next year. And Saint this year has given her an ultimatum. This Christmas, this is it. If she can't commit, he's done she's kind of frustrated about that. And as she's kind of going through all this, she keeps getting these visitations each evening from a different ghost who has a different lesson to teach her from her past, her present, and her future. And that's all I'm going to say about the book because I want you to experience it without knowing a lot about it, just as I did. And I will tell you that um, this is a pretty spicy holiday novel. So if you're not into um, on-page sexy times, In your holiday reading, give this one a pass. But if you are fine with it, as I am, it's a great book. I enjoy Kenya Wright's writing quite a bit. And I'm looking forward to um, reading more of what she has written. So this is Ghosts of Christmas by Kenya Wright. And it was just so lovely and delightful and emotional.
4: My next book is on the holiday theme But it doesn't talk about Christmas. It's talking about New Year's. And it is a New Year's quilt by Jennifer Chalvarini. It's spelled C-H-I-A-V-E-R-I-N-I. And it is part of the Elm Creek Quilting Series. This one... Focuses on Sylvia again, Sylvia is the matriarch of the quilting circle and in throughout this series, we've focused on everyone else. This one is completely focusing on Sylvia, and she's going through her memories of past days with family. And she realizes she's been estranged from her sister. We don't know if the sister is still alive or has passed away. So to make things different, she starts to reach out to her husband's daughter, which is her stepdaughter, to make amends and to show that she does care for her. Although Amy disapproves of their marriage and gives her a hard time about trying to get close to her. That is The New Year's Quilt, an Elm Creek novel by Jennifer Chiaverini. My second book of the evening is The
5: Asheville. Christmas Cabin by Hope Holloway and Cecilia Scott. This was something when I was just browsing through Kindle for looking for quick books to read for this episode that it popped up. And I've read some Hope Holloway and they're kind of hit and miss, so I wasn't sure what to think about this one. This one is about triplets, Eve, Angel, and Noel. And Eve is the first to be born. And she was born on Christmas Eve while the other two were born on Christmas Day. Um, they were raised by their aunt when their parents were killed when they were 15. And so they're pretty surprised when their aunt Elizabeth, who travels all over the world, sends them an invitation to meet at the cabin. They haven't been there It's been rented out for 25 years since they were there visiting with their aunt when the police came and told them that their parents died in a car accident. So it has a lot of mixed memories, happy as well as sad. And so they're pretty surprised and they want to know why. Like, is she dying? Is she sick? Is she going to sell? And so they all decide, even though they all have busy lives, to go. And to the cabin. And they're surprised when they pull up. And this woman. Who remotely does not look like their aunt. She's in jeans rather than a Chanel suit. (laughs) And boots. And they were. And she calls herself Betsy now. Rather than Elizabeth. And. It comes to find out that Elizabeth has fallen in love with someone named. Clyde and Clyde is what changed Betsy but the twins are suspicious of why why did their aunt who was a very famous art dealer suddenly switch it up for boots rather than heels and each woman is there to heal themselves um Eve's husband is a famous brain surgeon and is always working and she's homeschooling three children of her own. So she goes to the cabin to figure out what to do. Does she really want to divorce or can they work it out? Noelle is there because she followed in her aunt's footsteps. She is a famous art dealer and she needs to Heal because all she does is work and she has no one. Angel is she lives in a marriage that is very cold and loveless, and her daughter hates her. So she goes to the cabin to heal. This was actually I thought it was going to be kind of cheesy because of the the whole twinsy and triplet thing, but it was actually pretty good. There's four books in this series. This is the Asheville Christmas Cabin. By Hope Holloway and Cecilia Scott. Um, there's I read all, all three books because the fourth one will come out I think in January or February. So it was a little a little kind of mm, hallmarky, but
1: sometimes you want that kind of feeling when you read.
5: Yes, you want that whole let's bake Christmas cookies and drink apple cider and dance around the tree. <laughs>
1: You can do that in Piney Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't be a part of this episode without talking about the mistletoe motive by Chloe Leese. Yay. 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 Everything by Chloe Leese is amazing. And Chloe Leese is an own voices author. And she writes at least one of her characters in every book has autism or is a neurodivergent character. And I, Love, love, love the wonderful, accurate, positive disability representation that she brings to all of her books. So let's talk about Gabriella Di Natale. I hope I said that right. And Gabriella Gabby has worked at the Bailey's Bookshop, a privately run smaller bookstore. Since she was in college and after she graduated from college, she was promoted to manager and it's her safe space, safe space. She loves it and it brings her so much joy. And what really brings Gabby joy is working in the bookstore around the holiday. She decorates it for every holiday. She represents all the holidays in the wintertime. She does all of these things to draw in people and she loves peppermint, hot chocolate, and Christmas music blaring in her noise-canceling headphones. She (laughs) loves this time of year. What she does not love is working with the Scrooge, with the Grinch, with the frostiest of frost, (laughs) Jack Frost, Jonathan Frost. and she has resented him from the moment he came into her life at the bookstore a year ago. They hired the Bailey's who, by the way, the husband's name is George. (laughs) They (laughs) hired him. And immediately she felt like they hired him, even though they are a loving couple and they love everything about Gabby. She feels like they hired him. And he's noticing all her flaws from the very first day. And it is not a friendly relationship, so she feels. And so Gabby is very thrown one day to come to work and see the Baileys there who are not always there. It's usually just Gabby and Jonathan. And she finds out. That the bookstore is really struggling. And. After the Bailey's leave. She and Jonathan come to the conclusion. That if they don't get this. The sales turned around. And have a record end of the year. One of them. Is going to have to leave. The first of the year. They're not going to be able to afford. At Bailey's bookshop. To employ two people. I know. And they decide. Whoever. Whoever has the most sales. Will stay, and the other person has to go. Oh dear! So begins a war i have like never seen. He <laughs> hides her romances and puts his thrillers out in front, and ah. so she moved them back. She took them away and put them back. And they—it's all of these little things that they try to do to one up the other because they, at least in. Gabby's mind, he wants her job and she wants his job. It's an enemies to lovers, you've got male type of theme. And then, and then, during all of this upheaval and strife, she finds out that her online friend, who has been a part of her evening routine for a year. She loves this friend. She doesn't, she can be herself online and never have to feel awkward when she doesn't understand a situation or, you know, never have to go and take a break because the noise is bothering her and wear her noise-canceling headphones. And she loves, she calls him Mr. Reddit. Uh And Mr. Reddit calls her Margaret Catwood. (laughs) And they meet on a Reddit thread talking about a book and they become friends and they chat every night. And suddenly he says, cause she decides one day to ask him to meet. And he shared with her that there's some stress at work and maybe they can oh. meet during the break during his break. And she says, yes, cause she's also experiencing stress at work and that would be great. So her friend who's been part of her routine forever she can't talk to and then to make matters worse her really annoying horrible ex who is like and just a gross like squishy like wheelie oozy character um he won't leave her alone and he sends all these like very over-the-top pretentious flowers but they make her all sneeze and Oh, then he came up behind her one day and scared her on the street and made her drop her peppermint hot chocolate. Oh, awful, that's horrible. terrible, awful. And as all of this is going on, she begins to see a nicer side of Jonathan Frost. Oh. And as they continue to be thrown together at the bookstore and then sometimes away from the bookstore, she wonders if maybe... She's been reading the situation wrong all along. Oh. So if you love Chloe I would highly recommend that you read The Mistletoe Motive. I love everything about this book. Spice level is pretty low, but in a perfect Christmassy holiday romance way, I love everything about this book.
2: Me too. I'm definitely going to be getting this. I've read her so and some of her other books, so I'm definitely going to get this one. So my last book this evening is "A Quart of Sugar and Spice: Wicked Darlings, Book One" by Rebecca F. Kenny. So this is a spicy retelling of the Nutcracker. Yay! So Louisa and Clara, um, they are in their 20s and their father has passed away and a part as part of their inheritance they can't get it until they get married so they have to live with their god um godfather russell meyer and so they're living with him at his mansion and he has all these interesting inventions and so one night, an accident happens, and one of the wooden dolls comes alive, and we meet the Nutcracker. And he leads with the sisters, Clara and Louisa, to help him get back to, to the fairy realm, um, because he is a cursed Fey prince. So they help him. And they help him get back to the the fairy fe- the fairyland, and while Clara is off doing, trying to go get water, um, on their trip mm-hmm. through fairyland because they have to get. So what they're trying to do is get the Nutcracker Prince back to his area so that he can go to this restorative water where that he will get back, like he can get rid of the curse. So that's what they're working towards. So they stop because something's happening and the curse is going to take over. So every once in a while, the, the curse takes over and Louisa has to give him some of his blood, some of her blood, sorry. So, um, so she's doing that and Clara goes to go look for water and she meets the sugar plum prince. And the mm-hmm. sugar plum prince promises her that she can like try out all these like spicy things that she's always wanted to try. And so she's pretty excited about this. And meanwhile, Louisa and the nutcracker Prince, he, they bicker and they battle, but at the same time, they're, they're kind of like starting to feel this attraction to one another. And all all this is going on with them on their journey together. So the four of them are now have joined up. Um they the Sealy Kingdom is under attack by this is um Stacy's gonna love this, by the Rat King. <laughs> no <laughs> Yep, by the Rat King. So he is trying to take over this kingdom and the nutcracker prince needs to get back there because he needs to get rid of the curse so that he can save his people. So they're trying to do all this. Pardon me, sorry. Get rid of the rats. Exactly, and get rid of the Mm. rats, exactly. And, like, the spices, there's some pretty spicy moments that are happening. Like, spicy as in, like, there's a lot of sexy times going on along this along this journey and we get to meet some of the nasties um like the rat people and we're also meeting some other things they're like encountering different things on the journey they end up having to split up the two sisters um with each being with one of the princes and they have their own little side adventures and everything's going along and we're trying to like they're trying to figure it all out and i'm sorry guys but that's all i can give you i know that was horrible that was a really terrible description but it's all i can give you because otherwise i am going to be entering a spoiler city and that's not cool (laughs) um one thing that the synopsis does recommend to people is that they check out the um like the book like the book jacket as well as the authors or and slash or the author's website for um warnings because there are definitely some triggering moments. So this is a quart of sugar and spice, Wicked Darlings book one, and it is by Rebecca F. Kenny. And it was it's really, really good. Like I haven't quite finished it yet, but like I like it.
1: I love the Nutcracker. I know. And I love retellings. And I love that Brooke always talks about different retellings.
3: And that brings me to my last book where
1: we all know that the holiday
3: season can be so hard for so many people. And I think it's safe to say that this is one of the reasons why I personally like participating in this episode. Because one of the biggest comforts for me when I'm having a hard time are books. And not only are books comforting that'll make us happy and take our minds out of whatever is going on or whatever might have made the holiday season difficult for us, whether it be recently or in our childhood or anything else. But also reading books where the characters are relatable and they're also having a hard time with the holiday season uh, and, you know, feeling seen. And this is one of those books for me. This is 25 Days Till Christmas by Poppy Alexander. And I'll start by saying if you really like Jenny Colgan, which I know Stacy and Sarah do, and Josie Silver, you might really like uh Poppy Alexander. I personally didn't find her to be similar, but I like her just as much. And this was such a heartwarming, feel good holiday novel. And this is about Kate Potter. So you know what that last name, of course. I love the book. And she was a big fan of Christmas. I mean, it was Amazing how much she loved Christmas. She was the kind of person that would buy her decorations in September and wrap her presents and baking pies and by Halloween counting down the days and everything else that led up to the holiday. But that was before her husband left for the army and never came home. And ever since then, she can hardly stand December at all. And even though she can't deny she's lonely, Uh, She feels like she's not ready for romance, but she also feels that her son, Jack, deserves to have the Christmas memories that she's had. And he needs a Christmas to remember, just like she needs a miracle to help her finally decide to move forward with her life. So she's decided, which is a decision in itself, that if there isn't a miracle in its way, then she's going to create one. And so she begins an advent countdown to the best Christmas ever, which I'm assuming that's where the title comes from, 25 days till Christmas. And well, she soon realizes that even though you lay the best laid plans, you can't plan for the unexpected. For when the path of the loneliest woman in town crosses with that of the loneliest man, these two destined hearts might find a way to save the holiday for both of them and for Jack. So if you really want to read a book that's going to make you feel good and that's going to make you kind of understand um, why, like, maybe you feel like there are some Scrooges and Grinches in your life and, oh, why don't they like the holidays? And you've been one of those people who have asked yourself this. I know I have. This book is a really, like, lighthearted and heartwarming way to kind of um get you to understand and empathize and be in someone else's shoes and if you are in those shoes to feel seen and like you're not alone in feeling like it's really hard to make the holiday season where everybody's supposed to be joyful joyful. So this is 25 Days to Christmas by Poppy Alexander
1: and I loved it. I did too. I thought it was lovely and it was um it was a lot deeper than um other holiday romances that I've read. Um right she was really struggling with some pretty significant things. And, um, I just, I loved the romance. I loved everything about this book. I thought it was perfect. And, um, I think I read this book in, I want to say it was 2020. Um, so it's been a while ago, but I just, I always look for, I'm always hoping to get more books by this author because how much I like this one. So my other two books that I've talked about tonight have been a little deeper with lots of kind of deep emotion. And for my last book tonight, I've chosen to talk about something that I waited far too long to read. Sometimes when there's so much buzz about a book, I get kind of annoyed and I don't want to read it. And then I kind of miss out. And that's what happened with A Very Bossy Christmas by Kaylee Loring. And this book is about as far from my normal kind of romance read as it's possible to get. And I loved every minute of it. And I think the experience was enhanced by reading this book in audio. The narration was beyond stellar and included some singing. And um, for the epistolary, the texting elements of the book, um, it was duet styles. They were reading back and forth and it was just fabulous. This book is about Maddie. Maddie has been an executive assistant to um A real estate attorney in Manhattan for the last couple months. And he's basically running her ragged. Like she's working super long days and she's just like, you know, he's almost like impossible. And he just like is texting her constantly about things that need to be done or questions that need answers. And basically, she's just kind of over it. And she really wants to have, I mean, you know this might seem unreasonable to many people but you know she might mu- she kind of wants to have christmas day off so she can spend it with her family you know but I hope her you're boss being sarcastic i mean i am being sarcastic her <laughs> boss declan would prefer that she come to the office with him because he's a workaholic now he then decides that perhaps perhaps he can make an exception for this and let her not work christmas if maybe she would consider Flying home with him to Cleveland and pretending to be his girlfriend when he has to see his family, he hasn't been home in a while. Some painful things have happened have happened with him and um his family where he's not talking to some of them and so he thinks it might be easier if he can bring Maddie home for these for these family events and basically, that's what's gonna happen if she wants you know Christmas day off. she needs to do these things. It's her choice. And obviously this is um, not realistic, um, but we're just going to go with it, okay? Like a boss can't usually do that to someone, but this is a romance and this is the setup. She's going to be his fake girlfriend. And so the more time that Maddie spends with Declan, the more she sees that there is way more to him than his grumpy, gruff, harsh exterior. And one person that is desperate for the... Ruse that they are perpetuating. One person that's desperate for that to be reality instead of fiction is Maddie's 13 year old niece, Piper, who has begun writing fan fiction to them. And she calls it Macklin, Maddie and Declan. And she writes little romance vignettes about her aunt and her boss, Declan. And that part is funny as hell, very purple, very delightful. And If you read the book for nothing else, you should read it for Piper's chapters because they're great. So during Christmas, it is so delightful. So during Christmas and the week after, Maddie and Declan spend more time together. They get to know each other more and they get to know each other's families. And, you know, basically what, what both of them are wondering is, could there maybe be something more than just kind of a temporary situation once the holidays are over? Again, this is A Very Bossy Christmas by Kaylee Loring. I'm sure most people have read this because I am very late to the party. But again, it was delightful. I laughed out loud several times. There was just some great family stuff in it. It it stayed pretty light, um, you know, in most ways. But there was just enough heart and heat to it to make it interesting to me. And, you know, when narrators can sing and they can sing well, it just makes everything better. So if you do enjoy audio, yes. So if you enjoy audio, this book in audio is seriously everything. So please pick up the audio.
4: My last book is The Christmas Wedding by James Patterson when i read this book i was thinking it's gonna be some kind of mystery thriller but it actually came out to be really nice it tells the story of a 54 year old widow her name is gabby so she decides she wants to have her family with her for christmas on her farm she Does them a video. So she sends them a video. Basically inviting. Them all for Christmas. Then she drops a bombshell. On them. They will also. Be celebrating her wedding. But she doesn't tell them to whom. So. During the story there is. Three men. And. Well four men actually. And we don't know who she's going to marry until her wedding day, which makes it very romantic and poignant. It has family, it has love, and of course it has teenagers who are not happy about being at a farm for a wedding. That's The Christmas Wedding by James Patterson. Is okay.
5: Christmas at the Beach House by Maggie Miller. Now, this is the seventh book in the series. The first one was Last Summer at the Beach House. And I know I've talked about this book before on the podcast where Brian is, he, he dies in an accident. And him and, or his wife, Claire, and their daughter, Kat, are going to go spend one last summer before they have to sell the beach house. And when they do, they find out that he has another wife and another daughter, and he doesn't about the same thing. Oh, geez. confuse them. And so, Christmas at the Beach House is the continuation of the story and how Claire and her daughter, Kat, and her mother are getting along with Brian's second and third families. And how they're waiting for Christmas and how they've really just um, melded to become one big family. And each of them is surprised how Brian's treachery has kind of made them into what they are. But there are lots of surprises in this book. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want any spoilers. But there are lots of proposals and... Christmas baking and Christmas parties in this book. And this one is Christmas at the Beach House by Maggie Miller. This is book 7.
1: Excellent. I love holiday books and like an ongoing series. They always make me so happy. So this ends our holiday episode of 2023. Thanks to Sarah and Brooke and Georgina and Natalia. And Melissa for recording this episode with me. I'm always happy that I get to participate and, and do a holiday episode every year. So thank you also to Shannon for allowing me to do this sappity-wappity-fluffity-wuffity episode every year. Um, I really appreciate that. And, and finally, always thank you to Christine for all of your amazing editing. And thanks to each and every one of you who listen to Book Bistro every week.
0: If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness, and some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books.